0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: With Lucky Land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a jet
3: with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings were... that large should not run as fast as Mackay Becton did.
1: Still going and he's into the touchdown! He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the QA. Oh my gosh!
0: Listen, thank you.
2: From the playlikeajet.com a jet.com digital studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play one Happy Fourth of July as we get into part two of the mailbag. With the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Michael Pallas. He says, do you foresee... A 2016 Tyreek Hill type of role for Elijah Moore just to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. Just for reference, Hill had 138 touches, 1,836 yards, and 12 touchdowns that season. What kind of production is reasonable to expect from Moore in that role? I don't know that I would compare him to Tyreek Hill That's really tough And yes, Elijah Moore is certainly fast But Tyreek Hill is just unbelievable fast He's the fastest player in the league So a different kind of guy I do think that they're going to devise a variety of different ways To get the ball into Elijah Moore's hands We've talked about this a little bit I think that they'll do some jet sweeps He'll play the slot, he'll play the outside They're going to do a little bit of everything with him And I think he'll do very well His production, I don't expect to be anything close to what Tyreek Hill had. 12 touchdowns and 1,836 all-purpose yards as a rookie seems like way too much. Maybe he could get half of that. And if he does, by the way, I'd be very happy with that. If he can have 900 yards of offense and six touchdowns as a rookie with a rookie quarterback, that would be excellent. I would sign for that right now.
1: Yeah, I was listening to those numbers, and I, I literally thought I was like half that. If you get half that, like you're doing somersaults and backflips and popping champagne, like those those numbers are insane. And uh, you know, Tyree Kill is Tyree Kill, but it's also an Andy Reid offense. Uh, like that's that's Alex Smith back there still, but that Chiefs offense was was pretty good. And that that wasn't a whole you know a first time coordinator working with a rookie quarterback that was a, a well-functioning offense and Tyreek Hill just was that explosive for them. Um, so no, I, I do not see anything near those. I don't see them. This again, we're talking about an Andy Reed offense that throws the ball a lot. Um, I don't think you're going to see the jets throwing the ball anywhere near Andy Reid type of uh, numbers this year I think you are going to uh, see them lean on the running game a lot this year Uh, but definitely not those numbers but if you can get if you can get close to half it doesn't even have to be half like 40 percent 45 percent with a rookie quarterback and especially if those just there's a few uh, I mean There's going to be some highlights in there Yeah, fans are going to be super excited about that
2: Next question comes in from Lawrence Fodor He says What went down with the Morgan Moses signing? It seemed like it was a few days away Then we heard nothing And then the deal finally got done What was the story in terms of why it got delayed? From what I gather And Chris, you would know more about this than I would So this is just me guessing and reading tea leaves It felt like They were pretty close, and then Moses sort of had to decide whether he wanted a two-year deal or a one-year deal where he was going to bet on himself and go back out on the market next year when perhaps there would be more money for teams to spend. And in the end, he decided to go for the one-year deal and put himself back out on the market next season. Is that more or less your understanding of how this played out?
1: Yeah, and uh, everything I was hearing before the signing – is you know, it, it seemed like it was going to be really close, but he had some other options and he was still weighing the options. And it was also, you know, it was partly taking a, a longer term deal or taking those shorter bet on yourself type deal, but also him eyeing which place was the best opportunity for him, like possible to get the most playing time and be able to be the most effective to be able to then springboard that into a long-term bigger contract next year. And uh, after weighing all the options there, he decided, all right, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Jets here. I'm going to roll with them. And he he obviously thought <clears throat> this taking this deal at this price for this for this short uh, just one year gives him the best chance to springboard into a lucrative contract uh, next offseason.
3: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
2: Next question comes in from Jokes on You 2 He says, will Becton potentially miss any of training camp? And if he does... How much do you think it'll hurt him going into the season? From what I understand, they're optimistic that he's not going to miss any training camp. But then again, he did have the plantar fasciitis. You don't know what could pop up. He did miss eight games last year or at least parts of eight games last year. And he missed all of the mini camp and OTAs. So I wouldn't rule out him missing some of training camp. We just don't know that yet. If he does, I don't know that it's going to be that big of a deal in terms of him not being able to get on the same page with the new coaching staff for the regular season. It's just more that I would be worried that that's going to spill into the regular season and cause longer-term issues.
1: Yeah, uh, of course it's going to be uh, a little – I. I'm not going to say that he's definitely not missing time at training camp because of it. That would be a ludicrous thing to say at his size and his weight, a plantar fasciitis injury. There's, there's a good chance that, you know, it won't heal as quickly as they'd hope, or it pops back up again at some point. The, you know, obviously at his size and weight is, plantar fasciitis isn't a great injury to have, but, it is an injury that's far more manageable for offensive line <clears throat> than for, like, cornerbacks or running backs or uh, wide receivers that have to cut a lot. It <clears throat> is it's, is more manageable when you, you can just kind of anchor in. It would take a, a little bit away from his athleticism, of course, which is what you're banking on to make him, like, Hall of Fame special level. But I, I don't – right now, there's nothing to be, like – concerned about long term but again it's it's something that you you have to keep in the back of your mind and joe douglas has to keep in the back of his mind as he's building the roster um and we've been talking about it since last year he he just came out of so many games and missed a little bits here and there it wasn't anything major but that is the downside of, of playing at such a weight. You, you, it could lead to more injuries. So it's something that Joe Douglas is going to have to be aware of. Fans are always going to have to take into consideration, especially when it comes to the moves Joe Douglas is making. But it's not something I'd be overly concerned about right now. That's This is something that can be managed and can be treated and healed to to, to where it's entirely possible that there's not a single Hiccup or problem the entire year from it.
2: Next question comes in from Joe Horning. He says after watching Flight Twenty Twenty One, it seems like Joiner and May will be the starters in the back end, and not Davis. Am I correct in this interpretation? After seeing their heavy praise of Joiner, I don't know that I would say that's what's going to happen. And Chris, we've talked about this a lot. I think they're going to do a lot of three safety sets anyway, so I think Joiner will play plenty, but I don't know that he's necessarily locked in as the other starter besides Marcus May.
1: Yeah. I'll- what I'd say is the fact that whatever they said about them and however positively talked about them, that was, you gotta, you gotta remember and realize what you're watching is propaganda. Yes. Like that is what you're watching mm-hmm. and you'll eat it up. And I, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. There's at all. Uh, but anything, the jets release is propaganda. Um, so that's what they want you to think right now. Um, now I do think that <clears throat> I, I agree with you that you're going to see a lot of three safety sets and you're going to see Ashton Davis and the um, Marcus Jordan and Marcus may all kind of do uh, different roles and they'll all swap the roles at times. But I, I, I do think that Lamarcus Joyner, barring injury, will get more snaps at safety than, uh, especially a deep safety than Ashton Davis. But it has nothing to do with flight uh, 2021. It has nothing to do with what they've said or praised. It's just what I think with how he would fit and the type of player that he has been through his career. Of course, that's assuming that he can get back to what he was when he played a more of a deep safety than they, they had him play it out West. So, um, I do think it's leaning, that it'll be leaning that way. Um, but I, it has nothing to do with what they said publicly. They put that out. They went and they watched it again and again, and they probably took some stuff out that they were like, nah, you know what? We don't want them to hear this. They left that in. They left that in for good reason. That's not – they want you to hear that. Um, So it it doesn't necessarily mean anything. And if LaMarcus Joyner goes out there and he stinks, then that will get changed real quickly as well.
2: Next question comes in from Meyer of NYC. He says – Who's your favorite Jets quarterback besides Joe Namath? My choice would be Pat Ryan for consistency and durability, even though he was a backup most of the time. I'll answer this one, Chris, because you didn't grow up a Jets fan, and then you were covering the team as a journalist, so it's a little bit different for you. You can't really say that you had a quote-unquote favorite. So I will say that my favorite was Ken O'Brien. I like your pick of Pat Ryan, though, because for 12 years, he was a steady backup who actually started – Quite a few games when the starters were struggling or injured And you wish that the Jets could get somebody that reliable to be a backup Now the problem is, of course, that with the way the NFL works now If somebody like Pat Ryan was around, he would leave after a couple of years and go somewhere where he'd have a better opportunity to start. But Ken O'Brien was not only a good quarterback, although he struggled at times, and as I said, he was benched for Ryan a couple of times. And then there were some cold spells. 1986 comes to mind where the Jets started 10-1, and and then O'Brien's arm almost fell off because from what I understand from what JoJo Townsell was telling me when we recorded a 1986 series with him on the show— Joe Walton was working the team so hard and having Ken O'Brien throw so many passes during practice that his arm just couldn't withstand it, and he got dead arm after those first 11 games and kind of nosedived after that, that season. But the thing for me with O'Brien is he was always exciting. He had that big arm. He could really move an offense, and with him and Al Toon and Wesley Walker— And for you McNeil, you had a dynamic offense that was always a threat to put points on the board. So my personal favorite quarterback that the Jets have had is Ken O'Brien. Outside of, of course, Joe Namath, who you said we are excluding from this exercise. Because if we weren't excluding him from this exercise, then quite frankly, every single person who was asked this question would give the same answer. It would be Joe Namath. Next question comes in from Alan Davis. He says, why did the Jets take Makai Becton? over Tristan Wirfs. So I think one of the big factors here is that the Jets didn't view Tristan Wirfs as a left tackle. They viewed him either as a right tackle or as a guard. You heard Joe Thomas say before the draft that he thought Wirfs would be a guard, and that was a common refrain that you heard from talking to people around the league. A lot of them thought he was getting up being a guard. I thought he could play either one and be really good at it. He's been a really good right tackle so far, no question about it. However, again, The thought process is that if you've got somebody that could be a left tackle and you've got somebody that you think is more suitable to right tackle, if you're looking for that left tackle then you go with the guy that's the natural left tackle, and that's Becton. I also think it's possible they might have thought that Becton, because of his ceiling, was a better guy to take in that spot. But I really think you couldn't go wrong with either one of them. Now, obviously, if Becton continues to have these injury problems, then it's a different story, but it's not anything that we saw from his history at Louisville that you would have been concerned about it. If you were concerned about it at all, it would have been based on the size But it just seems like so far he's had a bad string of luck and hopefully it doesn't continue. I think that's really what went into that decision and whether it ends up being the right decision or not is something that we're not going to know fully until we get five, ten years down the line.
1: Yeah, you got it. Um, it, it, It's largely because of the left tackle, right tackle thing. It's also because of his size and his athleticism. Um, and you talked about it with the ceiling that he saw there. Joe Douglas was just like, yeah, that's that's what I want. <laughs> I he just saw, looked at the potential as like prototypical. This is like next level uh, type of athlete that can allow you to do things uh, going forward that Tristan Wirfs wouldn't be able to allow you to do um that does mean that he's not great and awesome and we saw how awesome and valuable he was last year but um that joe douglas went for the higher upside more athleticism and that that's what he wanted
2: Next question comes in from NFL Anguish. He says, the Marcus May situation could be very interesting to discuss. The reality is, based on age, he's probably got two more highly productive years left in him, and he does have an injury history. You don't want to break the bank on him, but the Jets do need him and his veteran leadership. What should they do? I think you're pretty much on target here. You can't break the bank for him because he probably does only have about two years of high-level play left in him. I think what you want to do is work out some sort of agreement where you have that standard three- or four-year agreement, but only the first two years are a major pain on the salary cap, and then you would have him for those two productive years that you mentioned And then you'd be able to move on from him after that if you chose to, if he started to slow down the way that we think he probably will. So I think that that's what they should be looking to do. It probably is what they're looking to do. Whether or not they get something done before the season starts, I'm not sure. I know that they had said it was a priority, but we haven't heard anything about that. Chris, maybe you have some insight on this, but I think that's probably the best case scenario at this point is to get a deal done that, as you said, doesn't break the bank, gets him in here at a good price but not record breaking price or anything like that and where most of the guarantees come in the first 2 years when he's still likely to be productive.
1: There's uh, the way uh, the way that this is all being talked about is is kind of like baffling and frustrating me but there is a wrinkle that makes it like complicated and tricky and cuz I'd like thing are thinking this is just simple you offer him whatever you want four or five years it doesn't matter because two year only two years are going to be guaranteed and go ahead give him a, a, a little bit you know what he wants uh give him a little bit more than you would ideally like to pay but it's just going to be two years and he is uh, very valuable to them in that two-year period at least um but looking at it from his side Why would he want to do that? He's essentially just getting one extra year on that deal. And uh, he's not going to get it at a higher rate than just the franchise tag here, because they're not going to pay him more than the franchise tag, like franchise tags, the average of the top five uh, at the position. He's not going to get that. So that would bring down his salary probably a little bit, or at least in uh, the second year, why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just take the highest amount of money he can get in this one year, and then he can hit the open market next year, and then he could get an, a, one of these salar- these deals that's going to be essentially just a two-year deal. That will give him an extra year going that way, So then the way for the Jets to circumvent that is to up the price a little bit more, uh, which we've seen Joe Douglas has been pretty, uh, pretty much sticking to his guns on these things. We've seen this now. We saw it. I mean, Morgan Moses come in much cheaper than we expected it was going to be. So that's the real complication of it is looking at it from Marcus Bay's side why would I be signing uh, you uh, offering me a franchise tag I'm not really interested in signing just a, a basically just one extra year on that you gotta uh, you're gonna have to do something else for me um but so that that is where it gets tricky but I I tend to think that the the jets should still stay within the limit because you don't want to go pay an extra there but, I do tend to lean more on. All right, just get it done. He he's, he has so much value in the locker room. He, he's a good, solid player at the back end of secondary. When there's so many questions in that secondary right now, you know, if they had went out and uh, gotten a lot of help at quarterbacks, uh, whether through the draft or free agency, maybe I'd be more willing to uh, let Marcus May go further. But for right now. I I think it's a little more uh, important. So I'd be leaning more towards just give him a little extra and get it done. But again, from his point of view, I think that's what the holdup is here. And Joe Douglas doesn't like to budge.
2: That's going to wrap up part two of the mailbag again. Happy 4th of July. Make sure that you are following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider and reading his very big deal work over at jetsinsider.com. And check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like A Jet YouTube channel. A lot of great film reviews up right now, courtesy of Luke Grant, Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, plus a whole bunch of videos on Morgan Moses, how he's a beast in the run game, plus all 22 clips of his past protection going one-on-one against Shaq Barrett and TJ Watt. Check that out right now and subscribe if you haven't already. And make sure that you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go. That's Play like a Jet Digital and jet.com.